1: Now, I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Post All-Star break in the NBA resumes tonight, and we are talking our favorite win total bets that you can bet right now. These are available at DraftKings and a number of other markets as well. Now that we have, for the most part, about 25 games left in the 82-game regular season, we'll we'll go back and forth here, Kelly. I'll start with my favorites. We'll go back and forth with you. I'll go to the negatives first, and if there is a team I'm looking to fade, if we're trying to extrapolate out teams that are going to be not only in sell mode because we're after the deadline, but teams who are in absolutely zero incentive to win mode the Washington Wizards are at the top of this list. They're 9-45 and so far. And yet for the rest of the season, the win total is set at 16.5. There is a little bit of underjuice with that. But for Washington to go over that number, they would need to go 8-20 and over their final 28 games and have the eighth toughest remaining strength of schedule. It's a team that, while they still have Denny Avdia, who's been a great, great stats, bad team guy, and Jordan Poole is just basically freelancing, doing whatever the hell he really wants to, this is a team that is that leads the league in pace. They love to go fast, and yet they don't defend anybody. 27th in defensive rating this season. They have not been able to shoot threes very well all year despite taking a ton of them. 27th in threes and our third-last in offensive rating as a whole. If you're, it's one of those weird things, Kelly. If you're going to go fast in the NBA and you are making that part of your core identity, you would think you'd at least be somewhat good at it. The other teams <laughs> in the NBA who are right, top yeah. five in pace, yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks, the Atlanta Hawks, And the Indiana Pacers, they all rank top 10 in offensive rating. Yeah, And it makes sense. If you are a good team in transition and pushing tempo, you should make that part of your identity. If you're not, why would you keep going down that path? Yet Washington has, and the interim head coach Brian Keefe is in there just trying to you know, help, uh, help get through
0: the season. Get through the season essentially,
2: <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, they've, been, they've been doing term.
0: this from, from day one, exactly. and you're right. They, it's been them running into a wall every time. And, and yeah. dude, just real quick, you know, kind of a little bit nuance on the, on the NBA season. Right, we keep hearing everybody go crazy about well, all these highs, the high scoring and stuff. Yeah. It, a large part of it is because you have teams like the ones you just listed off that are so efficient offensively and high-paced offensively, and then suck defensively.
2: Exactly. Uh, and, again, teams that lean into that for no apparent reason. And also Washington now. You have a really tough schedule going forward. You and The other thing, too, the the starting lineup has been super consistent. They've barely missed any games. Got to think as you get later, I mean, Kyle Kuzma for the second straight year, a deadline candidate, does not get moved from Washington, which I was surprised at. Second straight year, I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been rooting for Kuzma to go to the Bucs, Kelly. As a Bucks fan, that didn't happen. And he kept, he, Avdia uh, still there through the deadline. Uh, Poole's been starting every game. You would think as the season goes on, some of those guys start the old, uh, the old DNPCD uh, parentheses rest
0: Yeah, as we go forward, I think overall, just when you're looking at this market in general, and and I'm kind of mad at Ben because I I really spent a lot of time on this and deep diving into these yesterday because I was convinced I was going to find one or two bets that I would actually actually make. I didn't. I got a lot that I lean to, including this wizard, this wizard's underplay. I think you're right, but the. Biggest point I think that you can make is these win totals are set right now. You're, you're going to find more value on the unders in most of these than Correct. overs because there's too many things that you can bring up, right? So some of these bad teams just getting DMPs on some of the star players, not wanting to risk injuries. If you've got teams, obviously, that are in playoff positions, teams that you could make a bit of a tanking argument for, even though we don't really have, you know, a clear t- top, you know, couple uh, uh, great NBA talents, prospects coming out in the draft. There's yeah. still always reason, more reasons to play an under at this point in the season than an over usually. I definitely find myself gravitating toward that and just
2: looking you know, down the list. There were a few overs, though, that you look at and you go based on the current team roster construction, there are definite paths to finding a lot of success down the stretch. The Miami Heat are a team. I look at the changes they've made and all the injuries that the Heat have had to overcome. Currently sitting 45 and a half on their in-season win total, which means they'd have to go 16 and 11 over their final 27 games, but have the fourth easiest strength of schedule in that span. Heat have used 29 different starting lineups, 190 games missed, and yet they've started to find their stride. 13th in offensive rating last five games before the All-Star break, and the Terry Rogier trade. While he is out right now, expected to come back in a week or two with a knee injury. That has completely changed the dynamic on offense because with Rozier now in, the penetration is so much better for Miami. He's able to drive, find open corner shooters where the Heat are now averaging over 11.5 corner threes a game. That would league the NBA on the entire basis of the season. So you set up your dead-eye three-point shooters like a Duncan Robinson and a Tyler Hero, each 40-plus percent three-point shooters, by the way. And now Miami just has so much more cohesion on offense, along with a defense that has been rock solid all year, the best defense in overall rating in the month of February. Once everybody's healthy and into the fold, which should happen in the next couple of weeks, I really like Miami to make a deep run. They are not the team that is currently sitting 7th in the East. They are much better than that unit. And 16 and 11 is very much attainable over the final stretch.
0: Yeah, I think the one um, – the other – so the, you can – you know, arguments for over in the unders, Right. Okay, they're a team that's currently in that seven seed in the East. You're going to think they're also going to be doing everything they can to get out of that play in situation and get into the top six. So you're not, you know, that's a situation where some of these guys, where even maybe if Jimmy Butler could use a night off, isn't going to get one because they really do need yeah. to get into that top six. I don't hate it. I just don't believe in this heat team at all. Uh, but <laughs> I, I know f- you have a very love hate that relationship. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I felt the same way last year, and, you know, look what happened. I think that the, I love the Terry Rozier it, uh, trade. I do love the. I think that there is a good chance that they do look like a different team down this final stretch. And as we get into the playoffs, as you mentioned, so many of the the starting lineups have changed over and over again because of the injuries. If they can get everybody back on the court, find some consistency, maybe they can put this together. Just the season-long offensive numbers have been so poor for them. Uh, it's just hard for me uh-huh. to trust them right now, especially while Rosier's out, where there is still some questions on, you know, what that, how, how long that might sure. be
2: here. I know, but I mean, Butler's been out for yep. two and a half weeks, had, a, had the personal absence, the death in the family. He's expected you know, to be back soon, but yeah, all, all sort of uh, big angles there to keep in mind here with the heat down the home stretch for you, Kelly. You didn't end up with any bets here, but what did you end up uh, liking on the at least the lean side here? Yeah,
0: there was, uh, uh, yeah, there there was kind of five that I isolated, uh, and and three I was going to talk about here. But Wizards was one that stuck out to me. I think another bottom feeder uh, or a bottom team I'm going to bring up real quick. Two is Pistons. I think Pistons under 14 and a half. We need to finish 7-21 to go over. You see Uh, Monty Williams out here saying, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep fighting hard." uh,
2: It's like, "Oh, really, Monty? Now you're going to try to play?" Right,
0: exactly. Now you, you know, keep in mind. This is a team that, like I was higher on them beginning of the season, but we've gotten to a point now where okay, they've also traded away good players. But Donovich isn't there anymore. Monte Morris got traded away, so they've also lost some players. That I think that's one you could look at. Uh, you could look at as well. The other one that didn't put. Didn't, didn't put on the graphic, but I think is one I could be attracted to as well, and I've heard several other NBA handicappers mention, is the Suns, uh, Suns under forty eight and a half, just because you're not going to push some of those veteran players as you get closer. However, I will bring up kind of the same thing with the Miami Heat, of them being very close to that play-in situation that I, you, I, I, you want to avoid as much as you possibly can and stay inside that top six. So that's the only reason where it didn't become – A stronger lean or a bet for me uh, on the Suns. Um, To get into the ones I do like, Magic over 45-and-a-half. I don't think this is a team that's going anywhere in the Eastern Conference. Um, They finally are getting guys back healthy. We're seeing Paul Bancaro have another great season. Franz Wagner back in the lineup. They are playing much better uh, team basketball. They need to finish 16-11 to go over that mark. Easiest schedule left in the NBA. Um, And then, they again, avoiding that play-in race. It would be crucial. The way I would play this, though, wait till they play the Cavs probably tonight. I did bet yeah. the Magic tonight actually with the points, but you're talking about a seven-point spread in that game tonight. I, yes, I took plus seven and a half. I didn't bet the money line though. Uh, I would I would think if you're if you're worried about that game tonight, wait till tomorrow. At least the juice will change on this, if not the number by a game. Uh, real quick then, Timberwolves under fifty-six and a half. This is just. Hey, look, they got to finish 17 and 10. They hit this over. Um, you don't have a, a really tough schedule left, but they play all the marquee teams in the Western Conference. So I know there's some people really high on, on Minnesota and them needing to get home court advantage. It's just easier said than done with what they do have left. On the schedule And the Jazz under 37 and a half I think this goes into a, uh, What you brought up About uh, the Wizards And some of their players Jazz not going anywhere sure. Could see some time On the bench They'd have to go 12-14 to hit the over Fourth toughest schedule Remaining uh, This is one I'd be looking to After tonight When they play the Hornets I like it
1: There's no distance Too far for the perfect trip Hi Checking in for Or the perfect table Hey Where are you?
2: We go to the MVP race where you are still very much believing, Kelly. There is some value to be had here. Four guys now under ten to one, uh, with the latest odds showing Nikola Jokic that minus 135 favorite, yeah. but. Based on where we're at right now, reason to believe this thing is far from over with still 25, 28 games or so still to play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion, it's far from over. The uh, uh, you know re- latest Tim Bontemps uh, straw poll from a couple weeks ago, it, d- it did seem like there was a lot of Jokic love out there. Uh, I'm still kind of questioning how much that happened just very quickly after Embiid. Embiid getting you – know, news comes out he's going to be out, he's going to get surgery, and that he's kind of disqualified from the race. And very soon after that – uh, the the straw poll was put together, and I'm wondering how many people kind of just send in Jokic uh, without, you know, really diving into some stuff where they where they will with a lot of these people that are voters will do that, you know, before they have to submit their official MVP selection. In, in my opinion, Ben, they, these Jokic and, and SGA numbers should be much closer together. We have seen that, uh, you know, surprisingly over the all star break. That Jokic number has come down. I think it got out to like minus 150 up at up at DK. Come down a little bit. We've seen that SGA number get a little shorter. So I think that does uh, make some sense. Um, when you're talking about some of the advanced metrics, uh, you know, EPM, estimated plus minus over dunks and threes. It's a big measurement of individual success, just kind of uh, per 100 possessions. SGA only behind Joel Embiid for the season. If you go into a win share, uh, SGA is number one in the NBA, and that is usually highly correlated with who has won the MVP in past years. So I, I think there's still some value uh, on SGA over two to one. I think the other movement that we've seen in the market it's, it, during the All-Star break, so it's not like there's any games being played. Uh, it, it's the next three guys below Jokic and SGA here, and, and it's Giannis keeps getting a little bit longer. Okay, Luca had had. had gotten short drifted back out now he's kind of below that 10 to 1 mark again he's at 9 to 1 and then we've seen this Tatum love recently which i i get that he's the best player on on the best team in the NBA i just think when you start looking statistically at what everybody else is doing he doesn't doesn't really belong in this conversation i think that I think him and Kawhi Leonard are kind of the same, uh, the same story right now, and it would, re- it, you know, it would require Kawhi that that team to be the one seed in the West. But those numbers are a little bit more comparable than the four guys above them. Luca, I'm not, I can't get there on. I, I, he could be awesome. I do think the Dallas Mavericks are going to be better here. Post all-star break and actually go into the playoffs with some with some momentum. But where they're currently at record-wise, you just don't you the last time we saw something like this, and one of the few times we've seen we've seen something like this for the past 30 years is when Russell Westbrook averaged sure. over a triple-double sure. for the entirety of a season. And yes, Lucas numbers are close to that, and he's scoring way more than Westbrook did in that year. I, I still just can't get where that team's at right now in the standings. Uh at what, seventh in the Western Conference? Yeah, seventh in the Western Conference right now uh, at 32 and 23. I I just don't think he's really really realistic of getting home. So I think it goes back to those top three guys. And I don't think Giannis is out of it either. I do think that I got to take a step back on that, having seen the straw poll results where there really wasn't much love for him, you know, at one or even two, um, not as much as I was expecting, but... I think there's still a path uh, for Giannis to get home in this award, too. If you were a believer in the Bucks that they're going to turn this around and actually head into the playoffs with some momentum, with that defense looking a little bit better. Um, you know, the odd part since Doc Rivers come on board is that defense has gotten better. It's been the offense that's taken a step back. I think if they're able to get back to that two seed in the east, beat out the Cavs in that division, get back to the two seed in the east, finish strong here and that national narrative changes a little bit on the Bucks. People are going to look and see that Giannis is going to have possibly his highest scoring season of his entire career and have more assists in a season than he's ever had in his entire career. I think this conversation gets really interesting with MVP in him. So I already have multiple bets on him. Uh, I got a couple on SGA, longer numbers as well. I think they're both very bettable still right now at those current numbers.
2: Bucks have the third easiest schedule as well. Coming up, and you have to believe. After finally getting a a week to at least breathe, if you're Doc Rivers, I don't know if I would have gone on the whole media tour that Doc did, and been <laughs> I mean, explaining uh, all the negatives about the timing of him taking the job for Milwaukee. But I guess he had been in the media this year, so it's understandable. Yeah, you would think all the thing, all the all the metrics and uh, different circumstances are in line. Yeah, you know, just comparing the advanced numbers too, where Jokic is usually where he is the guy who sets himself apart is because the advanced stats are just. Unassailable, right? right yes. And they're so much better. You know, Jokic is, you know, he's about a point better on both offensive rating and defensive rating than the Giannis right now. Player impact estimate—I don't know how much you ever look into that, Kelly. It's, you know, it's slightly higher than Giannis, but they're all, you know, they're in the same ballpark right yeah, now. Correct. And the team's records are a game and a half different at the moment. For as much as the narrative has been, all oh, the Bucks have just been a, a, a train wreck for the most part. They're still only a half game out of the two seed in the in the East. So, is there really enough difference there to suggest, okay, should Jokic be? That far away from Giannis in the overall odds, board, it, it, just considering the pedigree,
0: and that is that is simply my whole point, right? It comes down to the betting odds, and what you look at the betting odds, it, it, it implies that there's a bigger difference between bigger separation between all three of these players, right? Than than in actuality there is, and just from a from an NBA fan perspective, Nicole Jokic he's the best player in the NBA. It, 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 he's he's that. He is surpassed. I, I was beating the Giannis drum for a long time of Giannis being the best player in the NBA. You know that. Um, it is Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, I think pretty clearly in that order as far as the best players. But yes, Jokic is having a great year. Yes, we're going to expect to see that from him every single year. And when you're talking about a season where his numbers are just at least slightly worse overall than what we've seen out of him in MVP years in the past... And then you gotta, you've got a story in a case like SGA leading a group of, you know, quote unquote nobodies, you know, kind of to, to where they're at in the Western Conference. I think it's a hell of a story, hell of a, hell of a narrative, not really being discussed as much as it should be, uh, in my opinion, of what the, what the Thunder team's really doing this year. It's uh, to me is such a great case that if if it doesn't happen this year, Ben, where you, where someone can right, beat ben, out Jokic, ben, when, when yeah. is it ever going to happen? Right, and that that's kind of where. I think there's another reason where you could make an argument for a bet on one of these guys because I think some voters will be thinking that. It's not – I don't want to call it necessarily voter fatigue, right, but a reason – well, you know, Jokic is going to be around in this conversation for the next several years. So, a reason to give another guy an award this year? I think some voters will look that way.
2: Is it would it be enough? Like, if OKC, what do they have to do get to you know, their win total right now is fifty four and a half? Like, what would it take? I think they got part be- of the you know part of the team equation here. Yeah,
0: I think it's a great question because that definitely plays into a lot of these situations. We brought it up with Milwaukee. I mean, is it one seed in the West? Maybe not, but they got to beat out Denver. Right I think if they beat out Denver, then it, you could at least point to that, hey, they had a better season than the Denver Nuggets did. That's another check mark in the, in the SGA camp.
2: Uh, right now, both teams, 54 and a half on the win total. So that would indicate if you were just making this, if you're making that case, right, Kelly, and you're basing it on the team's success because the numbers already are you know pretty well documented at this point, pretty good sample size. Odds are basically even on those teams who will ha- finish with a better record now and the odds of the MVP as we've talked about. Not exactly shaded that way. Jokic minus 135, and Shea just Alexander at plus 210.
0: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that.
1: He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex.
0: From BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I
2: thought in that moment, oh my god, we've summoned something from this board.
0: This is uncanny, USA.
3: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
2: Bring on our pal Nick Whalen. I love to have a fellow Wisconsinite here on the network. And Nick's been a, uh, an OG here of our VEASAN recent- guests as we welcome him back on a numbers game for the first time in a while you see his work at rotowire serious xm nba host as well nick great to see you as we come out of the break what is your take at least on the the milwaukee bucks front of this where doc rivers certainly have made a lot of headlines over the all-star break about the timing of his hiring all the circumstances Mm -hmm. around that where the team is at at the moment Uh, where do you see this bucks team going in their final 25 or so games in the regular season currently half game back of cleveland for the two seed
3: yeah, guys, it's great to be back. First and foremost, I mean, there's no greater thrill in my life than than getting that text from Kelly Bidlin oh, yeah. asking me to come on the show. <laughs> I, I love it. It's it's always a thrill. Uh, look, guys, I'm souring on the Bucks, man. I was I was the Bucks defender uh, in in all of my Milwaukee sports group chats over the last you know couple of months. I was like, all right, pump the brakes here, guys. They're going to be fine. I don't know if they're going to be fine, man. I mean, they're seven to one right now to win the title. I don't think I would bet that. I, I, I still think Boston is that team that has been by far the most consistent, the team that has the highest floor and the highest ceiling in the Eastern Conference. And you know, to me, there there are two things wrong with the Milwaukee Bucks. For one, you know, they were they they have not received the version of Damian Lillard that they thought they were getting. You know, Damian Lillard has shot under thirty percent from three for well over a month now. We're talking like a twenty-five game sample where he's been one of the highest volume three-point shooters in the league and one of the least efficient three-point shooters in the league. And if you're sacrificing depth, if you're sacrificing arguably the best defensive guard in the NBA in Drew Holiday to bring in Damian Lillard, you need him to be one of the 10 to maybe 15 at worst best players in the NBA. And if you look at some of the advanced numbers, they would imply that he's like the 30th best player in the NBA this season. That's not that's not the bill of goods that the Bucs were sold when they made this trade. So first and foremost, they need Damian Lillard to start playing like Damian Lillard, or this is a team that's going to lose in the second round of the playoffs. The other thing is the depth, guys. We we knew they sent out, you know, Grayson Allen, Drew Holiday, obviously, uh, as part of that deal. This is a team that just really doesn't feel like whenever somebody's out, and most recently it's been Chris Middleton, all of a sudden it's like, man, we're, we're playing guys who are just not ready, right? You know, Pat Connaughton has not really taken that that step forward that they needed him to. Bobby Portis has been fine off the bench, but he hasn't taken a step forward. They're, they're asking way too much of guys like Patrick Beverly and Jay Crowder who are well beyond – their prime years. And, you know, players like Andre Jackson and Marion Beauchamp, I like both of those guys. I was hoping to see more out of them. Doc Rivers historically does not love to play young players like that. And he's been hesitant to do so. Giannis is having an all time season. And to me, as of right now, it feels like it might be going to waste. A lot of campaign minutes. A lot of campaign minutes is all I would Everybody say. Campaign on
2: that. Minutes. <laughs> I would say on that, Dick. Uh, you know, as far as you're looking maybe further down the board, too. And, uh, you know, Milwaukee very, very easily could be a team where those. You know the issues that they have finally do get exposed in the postseason, just like they had last year. Currently, fifty and a half on their their win total at the moment here in season. If you're looking at other teams in the East, though, with Cleveland having made a run, the other squads that have certainly been able to stabilize there in the East and could potentially be a really tough matchup for Boston come playoff time. Who would you look at if you're going further down the board in the East?
3: Yeah, I you know I have a lot more thoughts on the West, guys. You know the, the East for me is it's really Boston. I'm I'm really firm on the Celtics right now. You can make the case for the Cavs. Obviously, they've been you know, the best team net rating-wise in the East by a mile over the last month and a half. I, I think you know, a lot of people look at the Cavs in the same way that they do the Timberwolves, and you are like, all right, this is fun. This is a, a really sure. good team, a great regular season team. Are we really going to pick them to, to go into Boston and win a seven-game series? Probably not. You know, I, I still think they would struggle even in a series against Milwaukee as, as down as I may be on the Bucs. I think the Sixers are the other obvious one, and it comes down 100% to when is Joel Embiid back? You know, if he, if he's coming back for the first round of the playoffs with no ramp-up period, I think you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot of a guy who's been injured plenty of times throughout his career, and who also has not played well in the postseason. I think that's the other thing with Philly, is even if Embiid comes back and gets three weeks' worth of regular season games under his belt, he has never shown any semblance of consistency or the same type of ceiling that he's shown in the regular season In the playoffs, So I I still have a lot of questions about Philly. I have a lot of questions about Milwaukee. I think things are shaping up really, really well for Boston. I will say, you know, if you're looking for a long shot in the East, it's still Miami for me guys. They're 35 to one to win the title. They're 13 to one to win the Eastern Conference. I'm not quitting this team. I know they struggled right after getting Terry Rozier. I know they've had a bunch of injuries, but I still think this might be the deepest team in the Eastern Conference outside of Boston. And obviously we've seen this Miami team make runs like this before.
2: Can't wait for that uh, Milwaukee 2-7 versus Miami, Kelly. It's going to be inevitable. Uh, I'm going to hate – Nick and I will hate ourselves for that's that. It's going to
3: be zero fun. Now, zero uh, fun.
2: Uh, no, for no fun uh, whatsoever. Nick Whalen joining us right now. Outstanding senior analyst for RotoWire, also also SiriusXM NBA host. So if you go to the west where it is definitely more wide open right now, your short shot is the Clippers at plus 250. How do you analyze where things are at odds-wise as we head into this home stretch?
3: The Clippers are really interesting. You know, I, I think there are the obvious caveats of, is Kawhi Leonard making it through the playoffs? Is Paul George making it through the playoffs? Uh, you know, you could say the same things about James Harden as we just did about Joel Embiid. You know, one of the all-time uh, kind of playoff no-show guys uh, among future Hall of Famers. So, yeah, I, I mean, I love what I'm seeing from the Clippers. If you could guarantee me health, I, I think they are a team that could topple the Nuggets out West. I still think Denver is the safest bet. Um, but my my Miami Heat of the West, if you're looking for that value right now, It's the Dallas Mavericks, 30-1 to to win the title. I love what the Mavericks did at the trade deadline. It was a, a pretty quiet deadline overall. We saw a lot of role players changing teams. But I think Dallas was like the one team that really addressed exactly what they needed, which was beefing up their front court and maybe more importantly, just getting Grant Williams off of this roster in general. I mean, they had to mortgage their future to do it. I'm okay with that because they're one of those teams that is in prove to Luka Doncic that he needs to resign with us mode. So you got to do whatever it takes. I don't care what your your draft situation looks like in 2028. I love the addition of PJ Washington. I love the addition of Daniel Gafford. They won six in a row heading into all-star weekend. And guys, we've seen Luka Doncic carry a vastly inferior version of this Mavericks team all the way to the Western conference finals two years ago. I think this is maybe the best supporting cast that he's had around him. So I'm not saying I'm picking the Mavs to win the finals, but if you don't want to bet one of those short shots, I think Dallas had 30 to 1 is the best value.
2: Sure, six game win streak uh, heading into the break now for the Dallas Mavericks. Occupy that seven seed in the West as we start post All Star break games tonight. And uh, Nick, uh, Nick, Nick, Nick Whalen joining us right now on a numbers game. Follow him at Whalen. Just substitute the L with the number one. Great, uh, great handle he has as we're talking all things NBA here coming out of the All Star break on ANG. And the coach of the year race, that's a really fascinating one, just odds wise, because you've got two coaches who have led wildly overachieving teams, yet. They're in the same conference. They're top of the order on the odds board, and you're trying to figure out, okay, between Mark Dagnall at at 2-1 or Chris Finch at two twenty-five right now, what's the way to go? And is there another coach who could work their way in the mix with a lot of really good coaching jobs and teams who have come seemingly out of nowhere this season?
3: Yeah, I I love Coach of the Year, guys. I'm a Coach of the Year junkie, both for for NBA and NFL. I think it's a really fun award to break down every year. I will say I'm, I'm not really fired up about betting Mark Dagnault or betting Chris Finch right now you know it, it kind of feels like the narrative for them is well you know one of these teams is going to win the West and, and maybe that's good enough. Coach of the year typically comes down to one of two narratives. It's either the best coach of the best team or more commonly it's the coach who does the the most with the least amount of talent. and I, I know you can make the argument that maybe Mark Dagnault fits both of those criteria, but I, I think anybody who's paying attention to the NBA this this off season, it's not a shock. That the Oklahoma City Thunder are a top three team in the Western Conference, right? It's not like everybody was picking this team to, to be the nine seed. I think it's it makes sense. They they have you know a guy who's plus two ten to win the MVP right now. You know they're getting great minutes out of Chet Holmgren. Uh, Jalen Williams has taken a step forward. Like there's plenty of talent on this team. So I, I don't know that Mark Dagnalt's narrative is quite as strong as the board would imply right now. I feel the same way about Chris Finch. Obviously there's plenty of talent on that Minnesota team. I don't know that I'd really bet Ty Lu at plus 650 unless you think the Clippers win the West by a few games. You know, that it, typically if you get the best coach on the best team narrative, you got to win like 60 games uh, because there tend to be some other uh, better narratives out there. And look, there's a ton of talent on that Clippers team too. It's like, are, are we really giving Ty Lu the credit for a team that has Paul George, James Harden and Kawhi Leonard? I'm not really sure a, a long shot that I like here, guys. And this is one that, that I've bet here. Jamal Mosley, the Orlando magic. 48 to one to me this is a guy that fits the he fits the doing more with less narrative better than anybody right now and you want to talk about remaining schedules ben orlando has the easiest remaining schedule in the nba by a wide margin their remaining opponents win percentage is 43.5 percent i would also take them over 45 and a half wins by the way that's minus 110 at DraftKings. they just have to go 16 and 11 the rest of the way they have eight games remaining against detroit Washington, Charlotte, Memphis and Portland. They also play that bad Toronto team two more times. That's like 40% of their remaining schedule right there. So for Jamal Mosley to contend for this award, they need to probably get to the sixth seed, maybe even the fifth seed in the East. But I think that's feasible, guys. They're only two and a half behind Philly for fifth right now. Sixers have a tough schedule. Obviously, they don't have Joel Embiid. Jamal Mosley, I don't know if he wins it, but I can tell you a month from now, he's not going to be 48 to one. Great. So you and Kelly Bidlin
2: in lockstep Kelly, you were all over that magic in season win total over great stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nick in the last 30 seconds, any best bet you have for the card tonight here as we come out of the break.
3: Yeah, I'll throw out a few props quickly, guys. Uh, I'm looking at Jalen Brunson over six and a half assists. This has been one of my, my pet props all year. Sixers are the second worst defense and give up the second most assist per game. Over the last 10 games heading into the all-star break. Love that one. Uh, also looking at Trey Mann in Charlotte. Give me the over 23.5 PRA for him. That's minus 110. Fantastic matchup tonight uh, against a Utah Jazz team that is basically in the bottom five in yeah. just about every defensive metric.
2: Great. To, hey, I picked him up in my little 20-team fantasy league. Trey Mann, great pickup for me. Hey, always good to see you, man. Be well.
3: Hey, great stuff, guys.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's
0: biggest paranormal podcast